It's March 13th, 2011, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Larry. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Well, it's springtime. Spring has sprung. Hi, Larry. You'll have to forgive Laura and I both because we're suffering from lovely allergies and we probably both sound like foghorns right now. (laughs) I can only hear half of what Larry's saying because my ears are all plugged up. Yeah, and I can only hear half of what I'm (laughs) saying because my ears are plugged up. But it's it's, so pretty outside. All the trees are blooming. Beautiful outside, which is why it's not, not so nice inside my head. Right. But there's been a lot going on. We're finally, feels like we're starting to get busy, which is a nice feeling. But at the same time, it's really unsettling. We've not been busy for we a while. We kind of forgot how to do busy, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> wow, the days are going to get really long. And thinking, well, they used to be that way all the time. Yeah, we used to work around the clock. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's taking some good, adjustment. Yeah, it's a good problem to it's have. It's a good problem to have. I won't even call it a problem because we're thrilled that the phone's starting to ring again. Yeah. Yeah, so if, you know, the rest of the architects out there listening, hopefully you're having the same experience we are. Yeah. And we're seeing a general upswing in everything. Yeah, or if not, hang hang, hang tight. In yeah, hang in there because it's... It's changing. Yeah, it's feels coming. like it's changing mm-hmm. anyway. But we've also been doing a lot of speaking, or I won't say we because lately it hasn't been me. It's really been Laura and Holly. Yeah, we've been busy. seems like every couple of weeks we've had a new group to talk to. We just, in fact, this past week we spoke to the Texas chapter of the International Furnishings and Design Association, and that was really nice. We had a lunch here at our office. We've also spoken to a Rotary Club, and that was kind of neat because they were business leaders right down here in the uptown area, which is just the area north of downtown Dallas. And then uh, this coming week we're going to be talking to a Kiwanis Club. It may sound a little random, but it's actually a great opportunity to get in front of some of the business uh, owners in our town. In our town. In our town. In our town. Our little burb yes. of Dallas. <laughs> the tiny little little place called Dallas. But right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll be up in Carrollton, I think, which yeah. is a north suburb. So That's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's a great opportunity to really get out there and, and make people aware of a lot of things. I'm going to be leaving this coming weekend, uh, the 19th, to head to Atlanta for it's the Environments for Aging Conference. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it's maybe the second or third year they've done this. Last year they had only 400 people. So I'm thinking, well, hopefully this year it's going to be a lot more, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be kind of cool with just that small amount. I would. I bet it will be considerably more based on the economy picking up and uh, the fact that just the whole issue of aging is becoming more mainstream right, right. I hadn't more thought. aware yeah. yeah yeah plus i get to see some friends in atlanta so that'll be fun yeah or well, i bet lana's pretty this time of year oh i hadn't thought about that oh okay oh the allergies <laughs> uh-oh pack, well, pack your carry-on full of benadryl yeah so we'll, we'll see what <laughs> see what happens and of course and on top of everything else we are getting ready to do a media launch for what yes. what is our second business and for those of you who may not be aware why have one business when you can have two? Because <laughs> we didn't have enough going on. Yeah, last yeah. last July we actually set up a new new company called HPD Design for Living, mm-hmm. and we've been working with the PR rep to get ready to really do a media launch for that. So blanket the, you know, 
print media locally and uh, TV media and just get our name out there and say this is what we're doing and if you wanted to come talk to us we'd love to talk to you and it's really we're focusing on the aging in place for seniors and universal design for just the general population for anyone out there mm -hmm. so we're getting ready to do this media launch and somehow in between everything else we're finding some time to do work yeah <laughs> it's a good I guess uh it's, it's we're, a good, we're juggling it. It's we're kind of we're fun. juggling, yeah, but it's it's been a lot of fun, and, and we're learning a lot and growing a lot, mm -hmm. so that's good for us. So if you haven't figured out yet, this week or this month's podcast, we're going to actually be talking about aging in place and universal design. And what's really been driving our focus on this business and topic, there's been a couple of different things. Last June, we started planning, trying to do some planning for the next 10 years, which seemed like a very daunting task and as we were going through project types and kept noticing that the word senior kept coming up we had probably 10 sticky notes with project types on them and out of those I think six of them had the word senior at we're, least yeah. yeah it became very obvious quickly yeah and we realized well gosh this might be a really great opportunity you know something to really look into and so we started exploring that yeah, because we were seeing not only from our own clients that we're starting to ask those questions and face issues of, well, how do we get older and how do we grow older in our home? Because we love this home. You have, We've done work on some of our clients' homes for 25 years, and so they love their homes and they want to stay there. So for our own clients, and then as we were looking at our 10-year vision picture and what that looked like, we started realizing that with what the economy did in the last few years, a lot of uh, folks who are looking at retirement in the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, their retirement funds are not what they used to be. What they thought they were going to be doing or where they thought they might be living potentially has changed. And so as the discussion progressed, we started saying, well, you know, it, that could actually present an opportunity for maybe more specific or more well-designed senior communities because right now there are senior communities quite a few actually down here but what we've learned is that basically they're regular housing developments that and they've plugged the word senior into it they yeah. may have a few additional um, accommodations or amenities but they still have two foot wide bathroom doors and, and they three, still three have foot wide hallways yeah and and, and it's ba your basic house that's meant for a family of four or even, you know, a, a couple that's younger, but they try to make it fit the, what, you know, the an older couple model, yeah. Yeah, might need. Um, and a lot of it's not working. And unfortunately, we have heard of, of some up-and-coming development, small, but still, hopefully, that's the trend that universal design is becoming more a part of the discussion and a part of some of these new developments. But, yeah, we, we saw an opportunity to really deliberately incorporate universal design in uh, in what we're going to be doing and what we can offer so that meant educating ourselves yeah. well and on top of that holly's mom our partner mm -hmm. holly her mom has been struggling with alzheimer's for the last probably two years, two years. maybe mm -hmm. and at one point was even in a wheelchair because she had to have knee surgery and and she also also has rheumatoid arthritis and rheumatoid so arthritis that was yeah compounding the problem so we have been, as Holly has been struggling with it, with dealing with her father who wants to keep mom at home and doesn't want to see her put into a nursing home. They've gone through that struggle themselves. 
including Holly having to modify one of her bathrooms here because her mom couldn't come to visit mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Well, and they did major modifications down at, at her folks' home. Oh, yeah. Too. Bathroom yeah. and ramps and all kinds of things. Yeah, I think they built a, uh, essentially a concrete ramp slash sidewalk from the master bedroom level all the way down to the living room level so they could get her from one spot to the other. Mm-hmm. So some very major, major changes. And, of course, we're a small office. We get to live it. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not our family, but Holly is really our family in some sense because we're all so connected. Mm-hmm. If you, and I, I got to thinking about that. If you're in an office with 75 people, you don't know what everyone's up to. You're not as, as I think, tied in. And at least that was my experience when I was working in a firm where there was I think 60 people. Mm-hmm. Especially for a lot of people, they don't necessarily voice or make public some of those issues, especially family issues if they're going through it. Mm-hmm. They tell their sort of inner circle of friends, but yeah, a lot of times you may not know about it. Yeah. Um, so, but it's been very obvious and we're, and we're going through it with Holly. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been something that's, it's at the forefront of what we think about. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest, we're all getting older. Whether we want to admit it or not, we're all getting older, and this is yeah. a, it's going to have an impact on all of us at some point. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what aging in place really means. It means staying in your home or being able to stay in your home as long as possible, as long as you want to be there, and in whatever condition, I guess, you may be in at some point, whether that means a wheelchair or walker or... Whether that means having 24-hour, around-the-clock care, right. but you are in your home, you're not in a facility somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're not out of your surroundings, out of your comfort zone. Right. Or it could potentially mean moving in with your children. You know, a lot of we've talked to lots of our friends who potentially could be facing that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just means aging in place where you want to be, um, in a place that's, I guess, in an environment that's controlled by you. I also think a lot of parents, if you would ask them, if I asked my parents, they don't want to live in an assisted living facility. Mm-mm. And there was an AARP study that said that something like 85% of people in their 40s want to age in place. They want to remain in their homes. Mm-hmm. And something like 26% of people fear losing their independence. And 13% of them fear having to live in a nursing home, worse than they even fear death. Which yeah. is kind of amazing. I'm surprised that number of losing their independence, I'm surprised that's not actually higher. Me too. Because if too. you think about it, when you're at that point in your life, you've worked a lot of years to get where you are and to build the home that you have. And you've raised your kids there. And, you know, there's a lot of memories. And that's a part, I mean, it's a major part of who you are at that right. point. Right. So, as we all know, this is not necessarily the most comfortable subject to bring up or even to discuss with your spouse or partner, um, but even more uncomfortable to bring it up with your parents. Or with your children. Right. If, you're, if you feel like you're getting older and you want to have that discussion with your children, a lot of people don't want to want to talk about that. Mm-mm. Usually it's a crisis that comes up and suddenly you have to talk about it. You know, mom fell and broke her hip or... Mm-hmm. Someone's been diagnosed with, you know, a progressively, you know, I won't say, I guess, terminal, but a progressive disease. Mm -hmm. 
Well, parents and children will often avoid having this conversation. Even if you have a close relationship with your parents, it's not necessarily something you want to bring up because I don't ever want to think about my folks not being here well, sure, or not a... being the same way that they've been as I've known them. So it's it's not a happy... Not a happy conversation. I mean, it, it can be, but it... Typically, when we think about it, we don't think of it that way. Yeah, we think more mortality. That's yeah, we're having this exactly. discussion about mom and dad getting old and what does that mean? And yeah, I mean, it could be an exciting and and interesting conversation because you may discover solutions that you didn't really know were available, or you might discover that your folks are they're open to maybe joining a community because they want to stay active and social. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just a good conversation to have. But typically. We find even families and our clients that we run into, um, it has not been discussed. It hasn't been discussed, and more importantly, what ends up happening is that it it isn't discussed until it's a crisis, until someone's fallen and broken a hip, or they have an extended illness and realize just how much trouble they're having, or they've been diagnosed with a progressive illness. We've actually seen that happen, and Mm -hmm. there are all sorts of challenges. When you don't want to have that conversation, people just don't want to talk about it. And, of course, by that time, it's too late. Right. It's become a necessity rather than an option. And you've actually had a friend that... Yeah, one of the women that I volunteer with at the GLBT chamber, Mm -hmm. her mom fell in her driveway and broke her hip. And before she even knew it had happened, her brother had sold mom's house, got rid of all the stuff, and had mom moved into an assisted living facility. While the mother was still While the mother in, was still in rehab. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, just completely. And, and the, this woman didn't know. She had no idea. Her brother never called her and said, hey, I'm doing all this stuff. And it just, boom, like overnight. But that was the crisis response. Well, obviously, mom can't care for herself anymore. She's fallen. She's broken a hip. The house isn't safe. Let's sell it and sell all of her stuff or you know, keep the minimum that we have to for her to be comfortable. And let's put her in assisted living. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of crisis reaction you have. And sometimes by then it really is too late. I mean, you you don't don't have a choice. You don't have the luxury of time at that right. point. You've got to make quick decisions. And I've actually spoken to several people just in the last few weeks who said, yeah, we're dealing with this, but we're dealing with it 1,500 miles away. Mom and dad are up in Massachusetts or, in fact, in my own family. My brother-in-law's family has mm-hmm. – um, he had – a grandfather in Florida and parents in Massachusetts, and there was lots of moving around at the last minute. I mean, you know, practically cross-country moving. Wow. So it's um, it's difficult if you're not Prepared in the it. same city right. or, sa- or same state, really. So you can't if you can't get to somebody quickly, whether it's a sibling or a child or parent, um, that just kind of compounds the complexity. So... It's, that's even more important to kind of have those contingency plans in place. You know, um, with my little one, we're starting to think about, you know, he's not quite ready to talk about fire drills yet, but <laughs> I remember growing up. I mean, we lived in California, so we had earthquake drills. Oh, wow. You know, and, and especially right now, um, you know, with Japan's earthquake having just happened, everybody's talking about preparedness and do you have that safety kit, you know, in the car or whatever. Um yeah, we had to decide if there's a fire drill, where are you going to meet? Right. You know, well, if there's an illness or an accident or something, where's everybody going to meet? You know, what's, where's the that, plan? what's that plan? Where are the documents in the house? You know, yeah. what's step one? Yeah. Um, and you'll find it's it's maybe an uncomfortable conversation to have, but it takes away a lot of anxiety 
if something actually were to happen. Yeah, well, and one of the things, we are interacting with a lot of people in industries that have some play into all of this, into the aging in place, into being prepared for these things, the financial planners, the insurance people. There's a lot of discussion right now about long-term care insurance mm -hmm. because you have to be, to get long-term care through Medicaid, you basically have to be destitute, and you have to be destitute for two years. And they're going to go back and look and see, did they just sell all their property off, and did they have any assets? And it's really hard to do through Medicare. So we've become very, I won't say hyper-aware, but very aware of all these bits and pieces and all sort of play into mm -hmm. this whole idea the of aging in pieces, place. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's been interesting. There's elder law attorneys that are really helpful. Mm -hmm. There's estate planning folks. There's, you know, the financial planners can right. have a nice, a, a helpful role. And the senior real estate specialists yeah, that exactly. actually deal with just that particular market and finding homes for seniors. Right. And we've spoken to several in-home care providers, whether mm -hmm. it's medical care or uh, just companion care. So yeah, it's it's yeah. been it it's a, takes been a whole community. Interesting yeah. seeing that sort of all those little bits and pieces pull together and realize there's so much revolving around that one simple thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you actually age in place? There's two answers for this. There's a simple answer that you simply modify the house to work for you. That you make the changes that you need so that you can get around your home more. You know, I'll say more efficiently, but safer, it's more accessible, everything works better for you, whether it's a, a movement issue, whether it's a vision issue, whether it's a hearing issue, those things have all been addressed, but people think, oh, well, we'll widen some doorways, and we'll change doorknobs to levers, and we'll throw in some ramps, and that sort of stuff, or renovate a bathroom, and, and that's the easy part of it, or what would that be, would be the straightforward, the straightforward, right. this is kind of cut and dried, okay, these are the, the simple things we can do. But the reality is, is that there's a much harder answer because there's no one way to do it. Well, and nobody has the same set of issues mm -hmm. that they're either dealing with now or could potentially be dealing with. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you have to think modification is important, but it can be really messy. It can be time-consuming. It can be very expensive. And you also have to look at, well, as we were talking about, with, with all the different components you know, revolving around aging in place, you need to talk about are in-home care services available where you live? Mm -hmm. What kind of funding challenges are you, are you going to face? Do you have long-term care insurance that's going to pay for some of this or pay for having someone come to the home, you know, twice a day or you know, staying overnight with you as, a, you know, in-home nursing care? If you're not living in the same location as your parent, the difficulty in coordinating all that care with all the various little components, all that you, so there's... There's the easy part of it, and there's the really hard answer to it. That mm -hmm. and it's, it can be, get to be a challenge. So if you're in the position to be needing information about all of the different things you're going to need to think about, try starting with a senior center in your hometown. Or if you are in a metropolitan area, chances are there's quite a few resources for you. Get started there, and a lot of times they can point you in the right direction. If you're looking to plan ahead and you're looking further down the road, you're young enough now and some of these issues are important to you, if you're looking ahead, you might want to take a look at universal design and how that's going to affect how you would age in place. Yeah, so let's talk about what exactly is universal design. It's, it actually is a term that got started at North Carolina State University. They have a center there for universal design, 
and there's been a lot of research and study um, that's gone into creating this area of design or this, um, I don't know what you want to call it, school of thought. School uh, of thought sounds good. Is that school? I don't know. <laughs> um, there's probably a, a really good definition on their website, but essentially it's the design of a home to be usable by all people to the greatest extent possible without the need for adaptation or specialized design. And that's a whole lot of words that basically means it, there's equal use for everyone. It's flexible, it's simple, and it's intuitive. So that means not just for people who are aging or who have mobility issues, but it means for a new mom who's trying to carry a baby in a laundry basket and a, um, you know, or maybe it's kids who are needing to reach a light switch, you know, that you want them to be a little bit more self-sufficient and you want it to be safe. It means um, people who live alone that they can safely get around maybe when it's dark. Uh, it just means making it easy for everybody to live in. It also incorporates elements that require low physical effort. You know, that doorknob that you've got to squeeze extra hard. Well, what if you sprained your wrist or you've got tendonitis? That is a little bit difficult. So universal design just incorporates simple things that it's not necessarily changing the look of a home. It's just, you know, everybody's got to have doorknobs. So you can choose a doorknob that's more universally designed and easy for everybody. It also means if you have the opportunity to design your own home uh, or if you're looking for a universally designed home, it means that the floor plans are laid out so that there's size and space for approach and use of appliances, for example, uh, in bathrooms that you can get to the plumbing fixtures really easily. It just takes into account that not everybody is going to be using this home walking, that you could be using the assistance, you know, of a wheelchair, you know, wheelchair walker, walker yeah. even just a cane requires a little bit extra room and, mm -hmm. and maneuverability. So why is all of this really important now and why are we even talking about it? Because, you know, obviously people don't want to have the discussion, or not obviously, but most people are uncomfortable having the discussion. Well, one of the reasons it's really important right now is that there are 77.6 million baby boomers who have started turning 65. At the beginning of this year, they're turning 65 on the average, depending on whose statistics you look at, anywhere from 7,000 to 10,000 people a day are turning 65. So we have That's a rapidly amazing. aging population. Also, there's a 60% chance that homes built in 2000 will house at least one disabled resident during the home's lifespan. Someone's gonna be needing to get around that house in a wheelchair or a walker. And I remember Laura was telling us one time she was at a park for an IFDA event. Mm -hmm. And they had looked, you ran into somebody who was you were talking with, but they had looked for a home for their brother? Yeah, his was brother was, um, was disabled in a wheelchair, and he had said that there in the North Dallas, North Texas area, that he looked for six years for a home that he didn't have to modify, that was already accessible and wheelchair accessible. And it, um, he said it was one of the most difficult things they've ever had to do because there just aren't any. Right. You know, the, the availability or the, you know, the open stock of that kind of a home is um, very, very limited. Yeah. And so, and he didn't have apparently the resources um, to do a major renovation that it would take for him to be mm -hmm. able to live independently uh, in a home. So wow. that 
you know, you hear statistics and lots of numbers thrown around and it gets talked about on the news, but when you hear about somebody like that, you know, you can feel the emotion in their voice. This is a major thing. They don't have a place to call their own where they can feel independent and not uh, be fearful of falling or, you know, not enjoy living there as well as, um, you know, maybe a, a more able-bodied person could. So, um, yeah, there's a definite need, especially, you know, with all of the veterans coming home and the aging population. Yeah, it's escalating. So it's definitely something we need to be talking about now. Yeah, and if you're 25, you're probably thinking, what does this really matter to me? But the reality is is that people are living longer all the time. Well, and not only living longer, but also working longer. I was talking with my partner, James, and he works in HR. And one of the, I don't know if it's one of the groups that's in his company, but they were look, someone was looking at, oh my gosh, we have all of these retirees coming up in our, in our company. And so they were, they were concerned because they had all of this aging population in working for their company that were going to be retiring one right after the other and they were going to start losing all of this really valuable knowledge. And then in 2001, 9-11 happened, the tech bubble burst, and people's retirement accounts suddenly weren't what they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. They stopped worrying about it. For like five years, I didn't really think about it because I knew that these people were going to have to work longer. Wow. Yeah. I thought, well, that's kind of scary that a company would think, well, hey, my employees are going to have to work longer, so I'm not going to worry about it. It just completely blew me away when I heard that. Wow. That's pretty significant. Yeah. So, but if, you know, if you're 25, you probably have parents who are at the low end of the baby boomer statistics or at the younger, I think the last cutoff age for that was like 47. They're probably dealing in turn with their own parents, and you're going to have to think maybe someday your parents are going to be living with you. I mean, there's a whole, it's almost cyclical, I guess. Oh, it absolutely is, yeah. One right after the other. So even though you're 25, yes, this could be very important with you. The Was it the census that did this in 2000? They said 64% of Americans over 65 lived with one or more related family members. They lived in a household, yeah, with other family members. And then another 23% lived in a household but lived alone. Wow. So that's a huge number of age 65 and above Americans who are living in a household, you know, Mm -hmm. who are not in any sort of facility. So, um, and especially the ones who are living alone Mm -hmm. need to be in a home that is as safe as possible. Right. Well, and of course, there's the old adage of I'm 25, I'm going to live forever but you never know what life is going to bring. And sometimes it's an unexpected injury that becomes permanent. Yeah, in fact, I just talked to a friend the other day who went through shoulder surgery, and she she's, has grown children who are in college, and they come home periodically, but she, um, and I think her daughter lives with her right now, but she didn't really have anybody at home to take care of her when she had the surgery. And it was three weeks before she could really get out of the house on her own. And you just don't really even think about that you know she owns a business she's very able-bodied and gets around and it pretty much rocked her world the fact that she couldn't do anything the way she used to be able to do it and it's going to be a long hard recovery for her so you know even things like that that you don't really expect I mean any one of us could walk out of the office and twist our ankle Mm -hmm. at any point so we don't really think about that but it can happen and think how much easier your recovery would be if you don't have to climb stairs or if your bathroom is big enough that if you had to put a chair in there to sit down, 
you know, to do your makeup or to, um, you know, to brush your teeth. If, you know, maybe you had surgery and it's, you're just exhausted. You can't get around. You know, there's just lots of different things to think about. You also may be at the age where you're thinking about buying your first house, and it's a major investment. You want the house to do the most for you. There are 100 million homes in the current housing stock in America. I mean, 100 million existing homes. And most of those weren't ever built around any sort of principle about aging in place or about universal design. They were just built to work for, I guess, the average family. So if you're in the position to be buying a new house or maybe designing a new house, you might want to look at it. I know we always walk in and, and look at curb appeal and then look at how great it will be for entertaining. How cool. <laughs> look how cool the kitchen is. Wow, yeah. Right, right. But take a second when you first walk into a home and think about what your everyday routine is going to be. Think about how easy is it to move around. If you've got to go from the garage to the kitchen or the carport to the kitchen to bring in groceries, Think about how many doorways do you have to go through? How many, if you've got stuff in your arms, how many doorknobs or, or um, corners do you have to negotiate? Right. Look at it in, you know, when we were designing big, brand new homes uh, a couple of years ago, I always used to think, because I can't tell you how many times I forget something in the master bedroom when I get halfway out to the car, and I'm like, oh, man. How, <laughs> gotta, how far do I have run, to go back Yeah, again. how far do I have to run back when I forget stuff? Yeah. Because uh, inevitably that always happens. So mm-hmm. just think about it in your everyday, because the more convenient that home is to supporting your everyday routines, the happier you'll be and the longer you'll be able to stay in it without having to make much change. Yeah. Also, if you're at a point in your life where you're building a home instead of just buying a home, sit down with the architect and sit down with the builder and see what can be done to make the home more accessible. You look at the doorway widths. Look at the way the bathrooms are arranged. As Laura said, you look at what you have to do on a, on a daily basis to just do basic functions. What's, how easy is it to access all the spaces? Because it's easier now to make those changes. It's some additional cost, but it's minimal compared to doing it 20 years down the road or even 10 years down the road. A three-foot hallway now isn't going to be easy to widen into a four-foot hallway later. Mm-hmm. But with a little, you know, add a few extra dollars to your budget, and you can get that taken care of now. Of course, if you're looking for a home that's going to work longer for you than the next five years, if you don't have the opportunity to build your own home or to make modifications to an existing home, or you're finding it difficult to find anything, like the guy in the with the brother mm-hmm. in the wheelchair who couldn't mm-hmm. find a home, there are senior realtors, senior real estate specialists who mm-hmm. actually, I guess that's their focus really is. Yeah, well, they go and they get special training so that they can have that certification. So if you see the S-R-E-S acronym, I guess is what it's called, mm-hmm. if you see that behind a realtor's name, ask them about what kind of experience they have because they actually may specialize in dealing with Um, you know, working with senior clients. Right. Or you can always call an architect. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not working with us, call us and say, you know, if you have a question, feel free to give us a call because we can always sit down and, you know, it it may be five or ten minutes to answer the question. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're buying a home and you want to know if it's able to be modified Mm -hmm. easily, get an architect to meet you for an hour and, um, you know, and walk the home and get, get a second opinion, get a, a more educated eye to look at it. And Holly, our partner, for example, because we were so focused on this market and helping these type of clients, she went and got her CAPS certification, which is 
certified aging in place specialist. Uh, and when she came back from those classes, I was amazed. I was completely at amazed. The information at, she got. Yeah, and what she was, uh, you could just see see the wheels spinning in her head about mm-hmm. all of this, you know, knowledge that's out there that that people maybe aren't taking advantage of. Yeah, this was the one thing that stuck with me, or one of them, uh, was that they actually did an exercise where they put a tennis ball in their hand and then they put a sock over their hand, and then they tried to m- manipulate appliances and drawers and doorknobs and all of these things with this disability or with this kind of hindrance to mobility you know they couldn't really grasp they couldn't do much so they had to use their elbows or they had to sort of push things Um, and you can think about it if somebody has really bad arthritis or some Mm -hmm. sort of uh, malformation it's um, it's not always easy to grab something or manipulate a small a a small drawer pull or something like that it helps to, it may be a little uncomfortable, obviously it's going to be uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it helps to actually put yourself in that position and see how difficult or easy it is to, to manipulate something. You really have to just put yourself in the shoes of... Of, of your client. Yeah, really. of your client, yeah. Well, and the program that she, she got certified through is with the National Association of Home Builders. So if you're not working with an architect, you can always look for a builder who has that certification as well because mm-hmm. they've been through that same training or, and are going to have an idea of the challenges that are out there and what they can do to make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. There are also other resources where you can reach out to for information. AARP has a great website, and no, you don't have to be over 50 to go look. It's okay. <laughs> Well, and, and you can also look at, you know, we mentioned earlier, the Center for Universal Design at North Carolina State University. They're the ones that have defined what universal design is really all about. Well, and we'll post these links on the Design for Living website. It's www.hpdliving.com. And for additional information or to keep track of what we're doing as we're starting to grow this business and get really involved in this, you can follow us on Twitter at Dallas or on Facebook at Universal Design Dallas. And of course, as usual, you can find HPD Architecture on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, as well as on our website, which is hpdarch.com. And if you're in the Dallas area and want to meet up with us, be sure to stop by the Architecture Happy Hour networking meetup that we put on. We do that once a month, the third Wednesday of each month, and we have one coming up this week, actually. We do. That's Mm -hmm. right. Wow. Wow already (laughs) gonna be a long day but that's good that's good that's character building that's right Right. and of course you can find that information on the website meetup.com well and before we sign off i think there's a shout out that laura wanted to give to somebody in california yes neil pan in california is an architect out there and neil is always so great he always comments on our podcast after we post it on Twitter. So, hi, Neil. Just want to say hi and thanks, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, for now, that's Laura, and I'm Larry, and we'll talk to you at the next podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.